Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Empire. Hello and welcome to the live stream edition of the John Kime Report. As you can see, I'm joined by the voice of the commanders, Bram Weinstein, for a Therapy Tuesday. Get on that couch. I'll get out my notepad. Bram will too. We'll kind of try and solve what ails the franchise as well as the fans. It's been harder for you because it just has been, and we know it. So we're going to get into all that stuff. First of all, thank you for tuning in. If you don't subscribe to the podcast, go to the subscribe to the John Con Report podcast wherever you get your podcast. And if you're catching us up on YouTube for the first time, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You know it's appreciated. You can find us there if you're listening to this at Empire Media, A M P I R E. Thank you for tuning in. And Bram, let's get to it. So we got a lot of topics, to, a few do- topics to discuss and the questions to answer. Sale of the team. The last time we talked, the bombshell was dropped the next morning. At this time a week ago, you know, business as usual. Next morning, bombshell. So we'll get into a little bit of that. Um, the defense. This defense is playing like a playoff team, right? I think so. After re-watching it, Bram, I don't know what you think. We'll get into the quarterbacks. Should Sam Howell play, Bram? We'll get into that and more. So let's start with – where do you want to start, Bram? You want to start with the quarterbacks? Always fun. Uh, okay. Uh, well, actually I do want to start with the quarterbacks because I don't know. I, I do have one quick question, um, which made the rounds on my radio show today, which is, did you see Kirk cousins on the plane shirt off with the, I see that. Did. Well, even um, worse, I saw Schefter on Monday night doing that. On yeah. The field. He, he shouldn't do that. Like I, I have, as one who was willing to do goofy bits, especially when I was at ESPN, um, taking my shirt off to do it was a red line for me and just say to Shefty bad idea. But um, for cousins, you know what I think is really interesting? Like him being popular is a whole new concept. And maybe oh, that's just, yeah. maybe that's just seven and one um, and a coach who's not killing him, you know, every single week and talking about him like he's terrible. But like, I actually, there was part of me that goes, God, that guy, he's like, he's been treated as the nerd with a good arm for a long time. It was actually like, I actually felt good for him that for once he was like getting some publicity for being popular for what, even if everybody was laughing at him, that it was like, he was popular for once. So I like actually no. want to start there. Yeah. yeah. No, I think, I think that's, I think that's right. And it's funny because when he was here too, and when he, his last year here, the last year, there were people that thought that maybe he couldn't quite show the leadership qualities that he maybe had because there was so much uncertainty about his contract, his future here. And everything was about like, is he going to be back? Is he not? There were also, I think he was at a different stage in his career, not, not as accomplished, you know, not as proven as he is now. I mean, we know what he, we know who he is exactly right now as a quarterback. 
And you had some tough customers and like guys like Pierre Garçon, Deshaun Jackson, who tested him. And I don't think he always passed that test as far as being a leader. But the popularity, like there were guys in the locker room who really liked him and other guys, there was there were guys that are here. There are only a few guys that play with them who, you know, he'd introduce himself and then that was it for the whole year. So I was just happy for him. I mean, like, yeah, no, I wasn't happy. Be, I wasn't happy to was, the team, but like, I was, you know, he gets so much crap. I was just happy. For he him. does, and and I will say this too. I I always liked Kirk, and I actually got a chance to catch up with him before the game. I waited outside the locker room just to say hello because there are a lot of familiar faces, guys. That you know, one of the things again in this business, we get to know these people, right? And you get to develop relationships with them. So for me, it was fun to see guys like Kevin O'Connell, Wes Phillips. Greg Minuski, I talked to him brief, well, very briefly, um, and he he walked by and said, "That's the guy who used to write the crap about me." So he was <laughs> kidding, I think. But um, then you know, guys like that. Um, so there are a few other, a few coaches here. Ben Katwika, Ben Katwika played a big part in that game because it was his comment to the official that led to the John Ridgeway penalty. Maybe we can get in that. So, but it was fun. I also talked to Kirk for a few minutes, and you know, it's funny because the first thing he asked me is like. Hey, are you still living out beyond Percival? And the answer is yes. But the fact that he remembered that is like, kind of amazing. But that's kind of how he works. So yeah, he's a he's a good guy. I mean, there's he's got his quirks, got his flaws, but at the end, at, the, at his core, he's a good guy. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, on let's from go. the Kirk Cousins hour. What yeah, do you want to talk about? <laughs> well, let's get to the let's get to Taylor Heineke. And listen, I had multiple people, and there's enough out there that are starting the whisper of the Sam Howell campaign, the Howellians. So let's do that right away and say, it's not happening folks. So move on. This is, if anything happened, the big decision that they have to make after Monday's game in Philly is, do you go back to Carson Wentz if he's ready or do you stick with Taylor Heineke? And I think a lot of that will be determined on what happens Monday. What do you think? Uh, I think uh, I am far more inclined to believe Carson Wentz will be playing quarterback again this year than Sam Howell will. If they were two and seven, I would listen to anything at this point, but that's not where they are. They still can make a run for the playoffs. Don't laugh at that. Like after Philadelphia, they play Houston, Atlanta and the Giants twice. Like, and I know what the Giants record is, but like the door is open for them to continue to get their season to a point where they are hovering around 500 when the games will matter most and their last two games are at home. So like they're going to have a shot if they can kind of hang in there and if they could somehow pull something off on Monday night, then they're kind of in position to make a run for the playoffs. So I don't think you go to Howell at this point. That doesn't make any sense to me. And also, frankly, like, like the, the issue for me on this team is protection on the offensive line. Um, and what you think is gonna be better with him? Like, I, I don't that, So to me, like the answer to me is no, I think you're either riding with Heineke probably dependent on what happens over the next week or two. Um, and then if you decide you are going back, I think you're going back to Wentz, assuming he can play with his hand, which I'm assuming will be the case. Right. And if, if Heineke goes out and leaves the upset, I, you know, if I think if they go three and one problem is that the offense is still kind of sputtering at times. And we know, Again, we've talked ad infinitum about Heineke and and who he is as a, as a quarterback, et cetera. Very easy to root for, et cetera. But um, so Marcus B wants to know. So if Howell's not ready, what is happening at QB next year? Because Carson's not it, and he has about twenty five exclamation points. I think that's an I, estimate. So we don't know. I mean, listen, there's there's what what's it? Eight games left in this season. 
we don't listen. We don't know who's going to own the team next year. So there's a lot of things we don't know. Throw quarterback on that list. I want to address this. Like after he won the first game, Heineke, like everyone's like, all right, they're going to cut Wentz. They're going to get Heineke for $10 million next year. And they'll probably draft a quarterback. And that means they can sign Deron Payne and sign a guard and sign all these other things. And there you go. Done. Two weeks later, now you all are yelling at me to put Sam Howell in the game. Like, chill out. <laughs> These decisions are not going to be made for some time. Correct. They are not in a situation where they're waving a white flag and thinking the season is over. We can make a decision after next week if Wentz is available to play against Houston, what's the right direction to go. Um, but, I, I mean, it's just like, like things change fast, okay? They were one and four. You had them buried every then they were four and four and everything's great and they're making a run and Heineke's savior. Now they lose one game at the last second and everybody's like flip their lid again and want to go to the third string quarterback. Like that's not how this should work. Uh, this is real life. It's not Twitter. So I think that they like need to stay the course here. And I do think dependent on what happens on Monday, coach Rivera has a very, very tough decision ahead of him to make a choice over who's going to play on the assumption that Wentz is ready. Um, and so I don't know, but I mean, like talk to me next Tuesday after that Monday night game, after we see what the result is, then we'll probably have a better sense of it. Well, and let's stick with there because here's part of the decision. First of all, if they go out, let's say they win, let's say they spring the upset and Heineke does a nice job. Do you, automatically stick with it. And my initially, if they were three and one, I'd say they're absolutely going to ride with him. But what are the, what are the ramifications? If you stick with Heineke, what are the ramifications in the locker room? If you turn back to Carson Wentz, those are the things that he has to deal with. Like it's not just as simple as get the guy in there. It's, it's really about, um, you know, again, how's this going to play in the locker room? How's this going to play with this person, with that person? There are a lot of things to consider with this brand. I would like to say also in the chat room, whoever is fake Dan Snyder, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> fake Dan Snyder. That's some good ones. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, appreciate that. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know what the answer is to it. I don't think we – and the point is we shouldn't know the answer to this yet. Things need to play out. I did put up a, a comment about someone who brought up Frank Reich, and I thought about that today too. Like, okay, he's completely available. Um you know, I, I I don't know that considering, okay, I don't know that considering that um, they have to make a decision about Wentz, whether he plays again or not this season, why it wouldn't be a bad idea to approach him and bring him on for the rest of the season as even in an advisory role. And let's then have a conversation because who knows him better than this guy who's coached him in two different places, clearly has some trust with him. Did have a lot of success with him in Philadelphia. Um, I think we all now know, after the way Jim Ursay has acted the last couple of weeks, that those decisions were clearly owner-motivated about Wentz. Okay, so that's clear now. Um, and I just, I think, like, I would approach Frank Reich and wonder, is he interested in coming in here and being another voice in at least an advisory role to talk about Wentz and what his future may be with this team? Because... To your point, and really what I'm trying to say here too, I don't think it's out of the realm that he comes back here next year. So, and I think we're it's way too soon to have made that determination. Yeah, it's too, it's too soon. They they need it. They're going to need. You know, people want to see what do they have in Howell. They need to see what they have in Carson Wentz because that's the far bigger decision. 
than about the fifth round pick. Now, I did have a question up there from, I think it's Matthew Rivera wants to know about the new staff and the new ownership. We don't know what's going to happen with anything because we don't know when this team's going to be sold. So as far as deciding the staff questions, uh, that's for when the ownership comes, when we know what, what, when it's sold. And the earliest that this thing's going to go is, let's say we know a couple of the bidders by the end of the year. And that's possible. Then the next step would be submit the bids, go through the process, and then the owners most likely would wait until the March, the spring meetings in March to to approve or, or whatever. That would be the earliest timetable. So at that point, it's hard to imagine you're going to change coaches unless unless the owner is is pretty much known before then. And they authorize somebody here like a Jason Wright to then make whatever move he sees fit. Short of that, then you're, you're going to come back with the same staff for uh, next year. It would just be um, difficult to see that not happening. But anyways, that's a little bit of a swerve. Let's get back to quarterbacks. And again, they need to see what they have in Carson Wentz because that's a $26 million decision to make in the offseason. And it's hard to accurately judge him completely because of the protection up front. And that's that was an issue for him. It's been an issue for Heineken. I will say, Bram, that despite – all the talk about the offensive line, there were plenty of opportunities with Heineke where he could have made a better play, better pass, et cetera, where they could have moved, scored more than 17 points. I'm not putting it on the line. I don't think that there are times with, like, so for example, the run game, you see some of the RPOs, and I talked to a little bit about this with Logan Paulson just yesterday about some of the RPOs, and you could see it on there, some of the decision-making with it, where you're putting the running back in a worse spot because the math adds up to a bubble pass versus a handoff, right? Something like that. That happened a few times. You know, there are a couple of times with John Bates not making his block. He's And last year we saw he was very effective as an inline blocker. He's When I see him having more troubles, it's when he's been on the move. There was one cutback where if he makes the block, it could be a 15-yard run, doesn't get it, and it's like a two-yard run, three-yard run. So those things happen. I'm also going to say, like, listen, people who um, – with with um, with Scott Turner, if you're not crazy about him, listen, he's the author of this whole offense. If it was going well, we'd be praising him. It's not. So there you go. The, the offense has not clicked. They don't have an identity. They haven't found one in three years. And and that's that's a problem. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, I like this this uh, comment. Why won't Scott let Taylor Tango and Taylor the offense to Taylor? Okay. Good. I agree with this. Like, in re-watching the Vikings game, this felt a little bit early season last year when they got to Green Bay and everybody was going, let him be him, unchain him a little bit. I know it makes everybody uncomfortable, you know, that this is the way he kind of plays, but that's how he plays. And the other day when he was a pocket quarterback, he was highly inaccurate. Uh, there were a lot of mistakes and then couple that with the offensive line um, again is not able to protect and the Vikings brought four a lot and their best part of the um, you know, the, their 
best attributes are their pass rushers, um, but they were getting home way too often. I mean, I haven't seen the grades yet, but I bet the pressure rates are as high as they have been um, the last couple of weeks as well. Heineke, though, was moving more. I didn't see much movement in the pocket. And that, I do think, is on the offensive coordinator to tailor something that works a little bit more for this particular quarterback. Um, I There were a couple play calls that I think were questionable, like the fourth and one call was, was a rollout, you know, and he missed. So I don't know that I love the play call when it's fourth and inches, but Heineke does need to make that throw, and he didn't. So a yeah, little bit right. of everybody on that one. And there was a third and nine where they – called a design draw for him, and I, I I don't know about that. I don't know I don't if know. that was a design draw, Bram, because when I went back and watched it, that looked like he saw something that did not because the guards are going to react differently on that. I'm yeah, I London called. We, we were confused. We were confused in the booth when he did it, and it, it almost felt like I, I even think I said, I'm like, did he just call his own number there because he saw something, and then – and London was looking at me and he didn't know. And then he actually called me today and he goes, I'm watching it on the all 22. That's a design sneak or design draw. It looks design, but the way they react is like, I'm not sure because it was so, it, let me say this. If it's designed, it was poorly designed because it was, it was not, not there. And then by the way, same person, Saba, who too fool wants to know, missed the first part of the show. Why does Taylor keep getting blamed when we lose, but no credit when we win? Well, he does get credit when they win. I think when you lose in this town, it's always about it's going to go back to the quarterback. And I think there were definitely some missed opportunities for him. But that game's not always on him. It's just that no. I think when you when you see some of the throws that aren't made and see some of the plays that are available that aren't made um, and so much rests on the quarterback's shoulders. That's what this league is about. So and he does get credit when they win. When he wins again, we we're talking about people wanted to throw parades for him after some of these games. So Sean, yeah, Marcus, I, I, thought, um, credit. I disagree. He gets a lot of credit when they win and you, you people talk about his moxie. They talk about his resiliency. I talk about it. Ram talks about it. Heck, we devoted the show most of it last week to that. The last couple of weeks. I think what they're saying, John, is the coach. He doesn't, they don't feel like they're here. The coaches. Yeah. Well, then, then that's a different topic is if that's what they're talking about, that is different. Like they're going to grade him harder. Um, they're definitely going to grade him harder. And so I would agree with that, that they're going to look at it. I know they like him. But I think they also recognize they see the limitations as well. But so, yeah, if you're talking about that, that's different than than if you're talking about what we talk about or what. No, no, no. I think they're talking about they're they're talking about the coaching staff, and okay. I agree right, with that. that. I haven't heard what I would believe what feels very effusive. You know, talk about him. I did find it really interesting that it was this past week that I thought Rivera was actually quite supportive of him in what was easily his worst of his three games. But he actually said some very supportive things about the things he did outside of pointing out there were these mistakes that occurred. And in this particular case, like he did miss a lot. Like he missed badly on that fake to John Bates, like really badly. He missed badly on a throw to Logan Thomas. The interception was an unacceptable throw and it was high and into the middle of the field where there was a lot of traffic. The throw to Curtis Samuel, he is so lucky that was caught and ended up being a touchdown. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't want to take anything away from Samuel. It was an incredible play, but he's so lucky that that didn't get picked off. So this was, you know, he was inaccurate, but there was, and when I keep watching, I see all this pressure with four, you know, I think we all have kind of, I've come to terms that the line is going to be marginal at best and they're going to have to work its way around him, around that. Um, but I also saw him in the pocket a lot. Did Minnesota did Minnesota do something a good job in there? I don't know. Or did no, they, they not? Did. 
Like he needs to move, John. Like that that's the thing here. He needs to get into the flow. He is more accurate when he's moving. I like his instincts that way. When he's throwing from the pocket, and then you know, there was a couple plays too that I noticed. I don't know if you noticed this, but there were a couple plays the other day. Um, where I mean the pressure had clearly gotten him to the point where he backed up 10 to 12 yards on a yeah. snap with throwing the ball. 10 to 12 yards. He was going like that is you don't trust your line to to give you time. You're well, back 10 to 12 years. You're not practicing that. Who's who has a drop back of 12 yards? So well, it was, and, it was, I would say this, I think the Vikings one did a good job containing him. And the one thing to keep in mind with him, when he makes those plays, they're not designed rollouts. That's him getting outside the pocket and getting, getting outside and making plays on his own. They're not designed like that. That's the problem. So Minnesota has done a good, Minnesota did a really good job at the ends, pinching and getting enough pressure but, Bram, I'll be honest, man, I saw enough good pockets for them to definitely score more than 17 points. Yes. And, and then to make some other I throws. Agree. like they, It was there. You can't – I'm not going to blame this on the pressure on him, and, and I don't think he would either. And I'm not going to blame it all on him either. I don't believe that. You know, there are definitely some play calls you'd like to see differently. There's definitely better blocking in some of the run plays. You know, all of that was, was a difference. But since we're talking about him, you know, you're right. And – um, I would like to see him outside the pocket more, but is it by design or, and I like the bootlegs. I like the bootlegs with him. I know the rollout didn't work there, but I like those with him because he picks up stuff with his legs. And then you're, then you're at least giving them some reason to pause as you're rushing. Right. And I think that's where you could see a little bit. We'd like to see a little bit more of that. Um, but the, but Minnesota did a good job of keeping him in the pocket. Yeah. And when he tried so- to get out, he couldn't. He struggled but, to do that. So that's, you know, that's you know, I agree. I'd like to see a few more design rollouts. Yes. Or, or boot- one of the comments that was 17 points per game is the pro- is a problem. It's the problem. Like, and, and reality here points is a game since week two. I, I, I'm sorry, but like you got to score more. And in the previous two games, when they played Indianapolis and Green Bay, those are real deal corners. That's a real deal front. Those are top 10 off defenses. All right. You know, and one of them was on the road. Okay. All right. You know, like, I'm not going to go crazy about that. This past week, this was the most vulnerable defense that they had faced in a while. They couldn't protect when Minnesota was, frankly, bringing four a lot. They had no time to go downfield where they should have had a massive advantage with their receivers. Um, They could not find their playmakers. Logan Thomas doesn't make a catch. Antonio Gibson, who I think has become a massive playmaker in space, he gets three targets. I don't think that that's great. I get it every week we're going to have a one-ball problem, but, like, that didn't happen here. Terry wasn't targeted too much this particular week when – he was going to smash whoever was trying to cover him today. Like this was, this was not good. And this is the problem. I looked this up because I wrote a piece for commanders.com this week. And I, I almost couldn't believe it when I wrote this, but this is how good the defense has been since the second half of the Philly game. So six and a half games, they are giving up 16 points a game, 16 points a game. Okay. Six and good. a half games. That would be the second best scoring defense in the NFL. And they're three and three. You got to do better. And you have Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, not John Dotson lately, Logan Thomas, Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson. Like you have found things in Armani Rogers. Like you have Cam Sims, you have De'Ami Brown. Like, I'm sorry. At some point you got to hold up your end of the bargain. Like, and I think the offense needs to find a way to score more than 17 points. That was a vulnerable defense. They played this past week and they managed 17 points against them at home on a perfect weather day. 
come on. Like, no, that, that's you not a, it's not good enough. Like, it's, yeah, and, that's and just I'm, frankly not good enough. And I'm not putting that just on Heineke, but, you know, I know it's there's not. It's not. It's And so there, there's a whole – There's it's we've talked about all the issues in the past, roster construction, play calls, whatever you want to call Let's let's go and see. I want to get one more thing. I mean, let's go to the defense, Brian. Let's go with something that's actually working right. By the way, and I know what people are asking about Jay, Jay Gruden being the coordinator, you know, coming back. No, 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 no. That ain't happening. You know, and Frank Reich, I mean, as, they're not going to bring him in as a, no. as a consultant. But, you know, that's a move. Like, if you really wanted a guy like that, you get him in, you're going to get him in the offseason, and then you have him install his offense. I would, well, I would totally make the case that you bring him in as a consultant for the rest of the year to make a clear decision about Wentz moving forward. That would be the reason that why. That may be, but consult. then you're then you're also asking them, then, do you then change their offense? Because Frank Reich runs a different offense than Scott Turner. Because what's Frank Reich going to do that can help him in this offense? So, if you're to me, if you're bringing Frank Reich in, then you're making a change. And then you go, Sean Walker says, screen game is too predictable. There is some issues with that. Where I like the screen game is with the tight ends, and especially yes. Armani Rodgers. Now, they also had a screen to John Bates the other day that picked up like five yards. If it's to Armani Rodgers on that one, that's about 10 to 12 yards. So, yeah. you know, but, I, but you're right. The screen game has worked. Some of the problem has been whether the patience, the backs getting out there, the line not getting out there, um, the spacing of it. I think that's where sometimes the design, you're asking – you maybe Trey Turner to do something that he can't do right now. And that's get out there in space and make a block on a safety coming up. That's so there's a lot, but I love it to Armani Rogers. That's the only time that you really see it work. There are times where you say, Bram, that should be a big play, but it's not, they don't do as well in space. There you go. So let's talk about the defense. What have you liked to, I mean, we talk, you brought up the stats. They're, they're a top 10 defense since, since the week two game loss to Detroit, they are top 10 in points, yards, Red zone, third down. You know what I really like, Bram? When you watch those games, the, first of all, that defensive line was terrific the other day. And you got those tackles are awesome. And you got to find a way to keep Deron Payne because that's the building block for this future here. There, there you go. But I also like that it's like John Allen is still not – he's not – Deron Payne, still young. Jamin Davis, young. You know, Benjamin St. Juice, young. Cam Curl, young. Montez Sweat's still young, right? So that's a that's a young defense that they're putting out there. I think there's there's reason to be optimistic about their growth here. I think they've been outstanding. Um, <laughs> I think John Allen might be the best at his position this year. He's been unbelievable, like unbelievable yes. good this year. You see the you see the play where he drives the left guard back. He throws him into Cousins on an incompletion, but it's just like he basically bear hugged the guy, drives him back right into Cousins. He does that once a game. John, last week he led the team in tackles. Name an interior defensive lineman who leads a team in tackles in a game. That's, hey, rid that's ridiculous. Like, so, that's, that's a ridiculous stat. Like, <laughs> did, you, did you see they dropped, they dropped he and Payne into coverage twice. The one was on the St. Juice Blitz after he got the sack after the pass interference penalty. They dropped Payne and Allen earlier in the game. They drop those two, and then Payne may ends up making a tackle on a, on a on a dump off to Dalvin Cook in space, like he and uh, um, Casey Tuhill. But it was Payne's out in space, and he makes the play. Like those the, guys that, are really good. That duo is everything we thought they would be this year. Yes. I mean, they just and Allen has been utterly ridiculously great. Like Aaron Donald, great, like great. Um, Sweat gets a lot of um, disruption. 
doesn't get a lot of sacks. He doesn't make a lot of plays. So he, I, I feel like he's so close time, with him, you know, and then Jamin has been a lot better. Um, he and Cam can get caught in coverage issues at times that th- that's, that's their week that for both of them, that's their probably the weakest part of their game. When they get caught one-on-one in coverage, whether it's a tight end or a running back, they both have problems with it. And Jamin has been caught with a receiver a couple of times, which I think is unfair, you know, but when, going downhill, make a decision, instinctually go for the ball, they're missiles. So they've been outstanding. Benjamin St. Juice, I know those numbers of Jefferson don't look great. Gave up, you know, seven for 115 or whatever it was. But I thought he actually played really well. Like, I actually, I really, really well. He broke up a touchdown. I don't, I, this is not going to be popular. I really don't think he got, I don't think that was the wrong call on the PI. Um, it, it, when you watch this, when you He's watch a replay, it looks like they were just jostling, but the, you have to understand what the referees look for in a situation like that. We get points of emphasis in the summer. If you put your arm across the body and especially up on a shoulder pad, they see that and they're going to call it. And even on replay, if it doesn't look like it really broke all that much up, that's how they see it. And so I knew when they called that, that like the referees have a justifiable call here. Yes. That, that said, I thought St. Juice has played really, really well. Yes. And he wasn't even practicing um, you know, in the outside, the entire offseason, they planned to put him on the inside, thought he's been outstanding. And the defense has just been great. I mean, really great and kept him in the games, which is why it's so frustrating when you see all these playmakers yeah. on the other side of the ball and they just can't score 20. Like, right. that's what's frustrating. Right. And and one, th- one thing to note, there is optimism there that Jahan Dotson will return this week. But we'll, we'll believe it when we see it. Colin Taylor and many others want to know about Chase Young. We don't know yet, and to be honest, we probably won't know until Sunday if Young is going to play. I think they're going to take it very cautious with him. They've been, you know, it's funny, Bram, because like people say, don't rush him back. It's been almost a year. They're not rushing him back. This is, they have taken their time with him specifically for that reason. So we'll we'll see how he gets through the week, but we'll pro- it'll probably be on Sunday, maybe, before we know if Young is going to play. Um, one other person, Sean Garner, he's asked me this on Twitter, I think, too, a couple times. When does Milo Eifler come off IR? It's been four weeks. Honestly, I don't know, and I don't think – I mean, you know, it, it affects special teams, but that's about it. I'm not sure when he's coming off. I will say, speaking of backup linebackers, I thought John Bostic did a really nice job the other day, made some plays in coverage, made some plays in the run game. It was everything you'd want a backup veteran linebacker to be in that situation. But the other guy, Bram, that – you know, it was St. Juice. I love how smart he is. I love talking to him because you can hear that when you talk to him about like his thought process on plays. And I also enjoy like watching him. He was very patient off the line against Justin Jefferson. Got beat on that long one, got beat on that. But you see the ability in other cases where he knows how to play a guy because he knows his length and his leverage. There was one time, there were a couple of times where Cousins had to look off from his side because the way he jammed it. He had that, you know, the one that was disappointing for St. Juice, that back shoulder throw, he had like 18 yards. Yeah. He jams him off the line. He, I mean, he jammed him and, and disrupts the play. Cousins has to pause before he throws, but then because the rush didn't get home, Sean Garner also wants to know about Cole Holcomb. He's big on the, Sean Garner, big on the linebacker question tonight. Not sure about Cole. I think there's, you know, I think, well, let's see what, what happens in practice on Thursday. That's the first day we'll be back out there. So I can't answer that for sure. Um, so, but yeah, Chase Young, 
We'll find out um, later. Bobby McCain has had a good good run here too lately, Bram. They're using him up in the box at times in the nickel in the nickel role. He's done a nice job. So this defense is playing well, and it's a shame that the offense isn't doing anything more. It really is. Um, um, so, yeah. The only other thing I'd really say about it is um, this is three years in a row now, and I know people get on Rivera about a lot of things. Um, here's one thing I don't think you can question about them. They play hard. Like they, they play really hard. I can, I can nitpick a lot of things that go on with the organization and we do here, but at the end of the day, that's probably the most important thing. You know, I think that that's necessary to build towards what you hope will be better records. And they play really hard. Like that was a tough loss the other day. I've had, I've had really tough loss. I thought the defense played about as well as you could. And I also want to say this about cousins. Like he made three or four, unreal throws in that game that like dime to to the, yeah. the dime to um what you call it dalvin cook for the touchdown that was a great one yeah. there was one that got erased by the interception he threw an unbelievable pass to adam thielen late in the first half yes the the touchdown pass to jefferson was outstanding i mean yeah he was like there's a lot of things that i can complain about with the team but they do play hard in this defense which think about the beginning of the season when everybody was yelling about jack del rio third down defense all the problems fired the d-line coach there was some controversial stuff on Twitter and all that stuff. Are they going to play for this guy? Oh, they are. Like, that's been answered here. Like, that's been answered here. So, and so Sean Walker says if if um, Wentz was top five, he'd still be in Philly cheesesteak. I'm not sure. I guess I get your point. Nobody's saying he's a top five quarterback. How many top five quarterbacks are you going to go out there and find? I would agree he's not a top five quarterback. Nobody said he was. But they invested in him, and so they're going to want to find out doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. That's what they're going to do it's at some point, unless, you know, something goes, if they go out and win, then I think the locker room might say, you got to roll with this guy. And I think that that would be interesting to see what happens. So Graham sale of the team. And I know that you can't really talk about this because, you know, your position with the team and all that. So I can at least address it a little bit. And I think we already kind of have, there was Jay Glazer had the report saying that it's definitely going to happen and that it could happen. You know, something could be, within the next couple of months, there's certainly a sense of that. I don't, you know, without anything concrete to say, it's hard to go there. We know that groups are forming. We know Bezos is interested, you know, Matthew McConaughey wants to put together a group to at least explore this, but he is um, McConaughey is, would only be a, would be a part of a group. He, he can't, you know, and he, he may want to lead a group, but likely with all the big heavy hitters that could come after this team, then you're going to get, probably be a part of it at, you know, probably that's probably the case. A lot of other names are going to be coming out um, who have interest in this team. I think it's a gold mine of a purchase for somebody because the stadium, the stadium that they can build, the stadium they own. And I think because this fan base, I think you have to look at this as it almost, it's funny to describe this fan base as, a, as this, this team as a sleeping giant brand, but I kind of view it that way. The situation. Um, I mean, that too, you think that's too over the top? Uh, I mean, I think every NFL team is a sleeping giant. <laughs> well, the reason NFL, I say that is because you know. I think the yeah. reason I, and I guess I'd say that because it hasn't looked good lately. We know that. And so we yeah. know what it has been. And so we know what it can get back to. And I think if you want to buy something, it's a hell of a buy because there you're, you're certainly not buying it high. You're buying it low as far as where this thing could go. Well, it depends if you think seven billion dollars is low. Well, <laughs> so, I, mean, I don't know how you roll, but you know, I just 
I'm looking between uh, the, 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 the Christians. I, I and the feel cow. like, yeah. look, I'm just following the news. And, you know, as you pointed out, I don't really comment a lot on it because they are my employer. You know, when I call the games and, um, you know, my experience with the Snyder family has actually been very positive through the years. So I don't really have the same things to say about them that I know a lot of others do. So, and that's neither here nor there, but that's just my two cents about my personal experience with them through the years. And they've been very good to me, obviously. So, um, but obviously like a lot has happened. Um, you know, I am a fan at heart. I grew up here. I recognize that, you know, this team is not perceived the way that it used to be for a lot of reasons. Um, and I do hope that, you know, if it does end up in different hands that, you know, we do get some of the things that I think we've been hoping for and vying for for a while, which is a better home in a location that people want to go to with a stadium that has some local amenities that people are into. And then, um, you know, and, and, you know, but all these like projections of, well, when this happens, this will happen. Like you don't know if they're going to get RFK. You don't know if they're going to end up in Virginia or Maryland. Like, you know, I just, I feel like I need the process just to play out. Um, you know, I, it is my gut that they are going to sell the team, but I don't know for sure. And, um, you know, we'll see where it goes and, you know, hopefully it does re-energize people a little bit. If that's, what's necessary to re-energize people. What I do know all along, like while I don't, you know, overlook the anger or, you know, whatever, whatever it is that people kind of point to and, and point directly at the ownership for the reasons why, um, they're upset with the team, the, the good news for us. And I think, is um, the good news for us is that it's never become apathetic. Like, and that's wow. really an important point to bring up here. Like, and I've said this before, like, I, you know, I do a million things. I don't know how many you do like out in the community where I do talks and mainly it's about sports and it's often about this team. And without fail, somebody is going to bring up that they don't like the ownership here or this thing or that thing or whatever. And, and I always, I always tell them, I'm like, you know, the good news is we're having this conversation because I'd be more concerned if you tuned it out and you don't care. Like, you know, so that's how, that's how I kind of feel about it. Like I, I think the fervor and fandom of the fan base, some the, the people describe this as waned. I don't think so. I just think people want some kind of release to be proud of the organization again. And they've yeah. attributed this to the ownership for a lot of reasons. And, you know, if this change does happen, then I'd like to see everybody kind of come back into the fold with a more positive attitude about it. Because here's what I do know. Like, it's not that people have totally tuned it out or are apathetic to it. They're just watching it differently and feel differently about it. And maybe yeah. the, maybe the ownership change, you know, if it does happen, um, will actually maybe re-energize everybody to have more positive feelings about it, as opposed to the negative feelings that they have about it. Absolutely. And I also think, you know, cause here's the thing, Bram, Let's say they make that change. Another thing that becomes back into play is um, with another thing that comes back into play is RFK Stadium. Going down there becomes a more real possibility. Could you imagine the energy that the fan base would have if a new owner comes in and then if they're able to go down to RFK again, go down to that area again? And I think that would I think that would be a big win for the fans. But the one thing I know too, Bram, and I obviously I've covered this a long, long time. And I've always appreciated the fact that I've covered a team that has a very passionate fan base. And I remember used to being out in the desert and watching them play the Cardinals back when the Cardinals were the NFC East. If you didn't realize that, 
go back and look at the old NFL standings. This is in the 90s. And, you know, so I go out there and you you go out there and there's like 30,000 people in the stands. I'm like, God, this sucks. It would suck to cover that kind of franchise. But even though it got bad here, I think the passion was still there. And I'd hear from people that's like, well, I, you know, I can't quit them, but I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I want to go to games because the owner, blah, blah. I get it. I get it. But what I also know, Bram, this podcast has grown during probably the worst period of this franchise's history in many, many years. This this podcast grew. And like they have, we've we've started this podcast. They haven't had a winning record since this started. They haven't had a, a playoff win. And it's grown because the fan base is still there and it's still passionate. John, I've been on the radio for 20 plus years. And the main topic we talk about is this team. Yes. Um, and this is through years of the Capitals being dominant and winning a Stanley Cup, the Nationals winning a World Series and having a really good run with a lot of star players here, the Wizards having Gilbert Arenas and John Wall and Bradley Beal. And, like, frankly, like, there is, and anybody who's in media locally will, will, you know, sometimes begrudgingly, but will have to admit that the engagement of this team with the, the local fan base is so far higher than anything else that any of these other teams do. And it's not an indictment of them. I grew up in this area and I love those teams too, but like we all know what the, the golden child of the city is. It's this franchise. And I really feel like that the anger is, is really centered around. We just want to be really proud of them. And in a lot of ways, a lot of things have happened that have made people not feel proud of them. Um, I do think there are a lot of things, you know, along the way that I think has been short selling his tenure a little bit, not a lot, a little bit. Um, But and there are other things, obviously, that are, you know, real complaints. Um, But that's all that said, I really feel like that in the end, that what everybody really wants, again, is to feel good about cheering for them because they are either hate cheering them or secretly cheering them. But it's crazy because any conversation I have about them. Like they'll say, like I hate this, and I'll never do it again. Meantime, they saw every play in that Vikings game. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. you're not tooting them out. You're just, you know, you're just, you're not tooting them out. You're trying to, you're trying to invest so that way yes. you're not, you're not hurt. And I listen, I get it, and I don't blame them. I mean, it's been a hell of a road, and I feel bad for for people who are in that spot. I mean, listen, this is our job, and people always say stuff to me about it's my job, so you have to be professional. Um, when you do it. And, you know, I remember my, what I keep in mind, Bram, is that if the worst thing in my life is covering a bad franchise, I've had it pretty damn good. Yeah. I love what I do. It's an, it's the NFL and it's a passionate fan base. Yeah. And if this happens and this goes through these, you'll see, we'll see that again. And I, you know, and I think the other thing you speak to the um, people want to have pride and I'm a, I'm a fan of other teams. You don't want to go out there and have to not just defend like, Oh, your team stinks. But also, not only you're that, oh, it's under investigation by Congress. It's under investigation by the DEA, the FTC, you know, all those initials, right? So, like, that just makes it so much harder that that others don't have to deal with that. And and I just, I don't know, I, I feel for people. So I hope if this gives them hope, then that's fantastic. And I think they could use that. Before we go, we'll go in about two minutes. But I want to get through a couple of questions on Twitter. And they're not long questions. Um so one of which is, and I want, I just want to make sure I get some of these answers. Um, so somebody wants to know, you don't think Chris Paul at left guard and Cosme at right guard will help the run game? No, not at this point. That's from airplane mode on Twitter. No, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I think that Chris Paul will be a guy to watch 
maybe next summer for next season, something like that. Um, I think it's, I'll be curious to see if he gets a shot maybe at the end of the year, if things are, are south. Um, but I don't think that's the answer right now, I, but we'll see next year. I do think Cosme to right guards a possibility. All right. So let's see. That's a, that's one. Let's go to, oh shoot. You know what? I lost my, where is it? Ah, that's the wrong one. So um, the, uh, somebody else also want to know how can Chase Young, 12th man want to know how can Chase Young integrate, make sure he integrates back into the defensive line. And because like at, they've been done such a nice job playing together. I think what he has to do is just see how they're playing together. Last year, it wasn't just Chase Young not doing that. It was a few of them. There were individually, they played well, collectively they did not. I think the other thing is he knows right now that it's not on him. So I think I'm guessing that's going to help them. And they also know, if he's not doing it, they've got other guys who are doing it. So that's another one, Bram. I don't know if you have any thoughts on any of those two things. They're going to be very careful with Chase Young. Yeah. Um, they're going to be very, very, very careful with him. When he's ready to go, they're going to let him play. I anticipate pitch count, you know, as they yes. slow roll him in, whether it's against Philadelphia or Houston. Obviously, the clock started, so he's either playing this week or next week. It's happening. Yep. Um, yep. So we'll see. Um, uh, a bunch of people keep asking about Wes Schweitzer. He had a very yes, serious concussion. Very serious concussion, um, and they're taking it very slow with him. And he's not—he's not scheduled yeah. to return to the field really anytime soon. Yeah, I don't, very- I'm not expecting him soon. Yeah. Um, last thing, then, and then we can end on this one. And a couple of other people brought up reasons for hope, maybe on offense. And it's—it's it's hard, I'll be honest. But Fraser Weiss, Rice wants to know: after the deadline is passed, now do you see a phase of the game where there might be a big improvement? Hopefully, the O line. I don't see that big improvement there because I'm not sure what you're going to do. Maybe if this group works together consistently, like they haven't had that. But the problem is you still see issues up front. And I think where you can see hope is Jahan Dotson gets back healthy. Armani Rogers continues to progress. I really like what he can do and making that. And maybe you can get him a little bit more involved. Um, maybe there's some improvement there, but it's, it's, I think there's, you know, I think some of those issues to me are going to be harder to correct during the season. You just have to hope that you can get a, a better enough. And to me, Bram, it's like, it's got, you've got to be better in the run game. And if you're not, I just don't know that you're going to get a lot better. No, I mean, that that's been um underrated part of the problem. When they got competitive last year, they became a power run team. Right. This kind of goes back to, they don't have the frontline starters that they had and they have not averaged good yards per carry with their run game for the last, month um in indianapolis robinson had eight carries 20 yards he and gibson combined for 40 total they ran for under four yards a carry last week again even though they had big numbers on the ground because there's a couple big plays samuel and rogers accounted for like 40 50 of them um so like the run game's an issue here too that they have not been able to find something that's consistent and there was some interesting decision making i don't know how you felt about it i mean there were a few drives where they threw on first down. It was incomplete. Then they ran on second and 10. It was, it, you know, they haven't found their rhythm. I mean, and no, they haven't found it, it, it's, I, it's tough because it's week 10 and they haven't found their rhythm. And this week they better find some rhythm because their defense isn't holding that team to 10 points. So, no. you know, and I, I think that's the hard part is that they haven't found their rhythm. And I do think, you know, sometimes in the RPO game, you, you know, read correctly or make the right play out of it. But then again, it's sometimes and it's like, well, the tight end's got to make the block or this person's got to do this. It's always something. And by the way, big money, Sonny says Heineke should have about 12 turnovers already. He's gotten away with some, but you know what I remember, Bram, let's end on this one because 
I think we've talked a lot about Heineke, but saying that, like, in a lot of games, like Kirk Cousins could have had a few picks the other day, had the one, could have had – there were a couple others where if the ball goes a certain way, and I know what they're saying, and I, I we see the things that people get away with. Um, and sometimes that goes back to the line where he can't step into the throws, et cetera. When Trent Green was here, when he played – I don't know if you remember this, but when he played in – was it 98? And I remember thinking, like, God, he got away with a lot of things. I don't know. And then he was a good quarterback. So sometimes, you know, he didn't have the big arm. He didn't have this, he had that. But he got away with some of it. And sometimes you just do. But I know what you're saying. There's a flirting with disaster at times. But, you know, like, that's part that's – that's the Heineke adventure, man. Like, he's going he's gonna to bring you up and he's going to, like – and, I, you know, this is the problem that I have with it. And you brought this up. Whenever he wins, it's always like sign the guy. And I actually wrote a story about this on ESPN.com, which whenever he wins, it's like, hey, sign this guy. When he loses, it's like, where's the backup? And it's almost like a pitcher in baseball who's like a junk ball pitcher. If he looks, if he's on, man, it looks good. But if he's off, that could be three homers in the first three innings. So that's, that's you know, it's just hard for him. But that's that's who he is. And it's, you know, it's why he's been in the league because he can make plays when he's got that chance and he's got to get out of the pocket to make those plays. People want to know about the play calling. There you go. So that's it, folks. I appreciate your time tonight. Thank you for tuning in. I'll be back on Thursday. Special guest, Mike Jones from The Athletic. Covered this team well, knows his team well. We'll talk about the sale. We'll talk about the Eagles. We'll talk about a lot of good stuff. There you go, folks. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next time.